The Business on RT Radio 1 with AIB. We know that your focus is on your business. That's why ours is on supporting you. Well, now on to another uh, multi-million euro market, pets, and the story of a man who's had plenty of ups and downs in business. Anthony Gallagher started out as a trainee with pennies and has since gone on to set up Pet Stop, the first pet superstore in this country. Anthony, you're very welcome to the programme. Thanks, Richard. Um, We're going to talk a bit about pets and about the the Pet Stop business, but uh, just a little bit about yourself. First of all, you're from Sligo. You grew up in Sligo? Yeah, I'm from Sligo, the youngest of uh, 10 children. um, And... uh, plenty of activity at home when I was growing up and um, good fun um, and um, yeah, I learned a lot from my brothers and sisters along the way and my parents So, Was it a sort of a, an idyllic uh, small town or well it was Sligo town was it? Yeah. Not quite a small town big town mm. uh, childhood upbringing It was yeah I mean uh, I was very lucky um, you know I had really good parents and um, and you know while Sligo was a big town everybody knew everybody else so people looked out for one another you know it was a great sense of community and camaraderie so yeah it was idyllic it really was and your dad worked in CIE which meant that you did quite a bit of travel. That's right. We were lucky. We had free travel. So both sort of in Ireland and also uh, into the UK. So we would have had brothers and sisters uh, that had emigrated and uncles and aunties. And we'd go over to London for a month every year on holiday. So it was great. I mean, it was really good. What did that do for you? Obviously, good times and interesting Mm. to go and see those places. Do you think it sort of changed your perspective a bit? I think it opened my mind a little bit. Yeah, I mean, you know, we were, you know, we'd regularly go to Dublin. We had free tickets on the train. So, um, you know, we'd go two or three times a year. Um, Most of my... uh, my friends probably weren't doing that. And again, going to London, the big stores in Oxford Street, down the markets in Portobello, and just what was going on, it did. It definitely opened my mind to what was going on. When you were in school then, were you interested in college or interested in business or what? So my original plan was when I left school, I was going to, I'd been accepted to, which was NIHE in Limerick at the time, um, now the University of Limerick, um, and, you know, being the youngest of 10, you know, money was tight. So I took a year out uh, and my plan was to save some money before I went to college and uh, would help sort of finance the whole operation. Um, but in the meantime, when I finished, I was working as a lifeguard um, in, and then I went to France picking grapes for a couple of months and made quite a bit of money to, uh, over there. came back. And, was that um, hard work? It wasn't really, it was actually great fun. I mean, it was again, there was, you know, you had people from all over the world, young people. It was actually great fun. I was very, very fit. I mean, you know, I, I played, I would have been in the top 10 in Ireland in squash as a junior. I would have played tennis. I swam competitively. You know, I played soccer, Gaelic and hurling. So I did everything. You were a busy young fella. I was busy, not in school, but everything else. <laughs> So you you were picking grape. You you made a bit of money and then you mm. came back. I came back and um, I was looking then for a job and uh, I had my name down with Manpower, um, which was uh, you know the precursor to Foss. Um, so and they needed somebody. Uh, Pennies were opening a new store in Sligo and need somebody to sweep the floor for two weeks before it opened. So um, my dad said, if you don't take it, something else comes up. 
they won't give it to you. I want to get something in computers or marketing. So I went down to Penny's, you know, worked there, sweeping the floor, breaking up boxes, just working in the stockroom, helping them out before they opened. And the head guy for Ireland was a guy called Tim O'Keefe. And he, I suppose, took a shine to me, thought it was a hard worker, you know, had a little bit of, you know, knowledge and, and how, understanding. How did you even get on his radar if you're in sweeping the floor for a couple of months? Penny's a very flat organisation, you know, it's very hands-on, you know, I mean, um, so you do, I, I suppose probably the manager was a guy called David Latham at the time, said, look, this guy's probably a little bit smart. And then, you know, he they would have taken me under their wing. And then, I mean, he came, he came to me one one day, literally, we had a chat in the office for about 20 minutes and he told me about the Weston family who owned Pennies and, um, you know, what their business was like in Canada and offered me a position as a management trainee. And I thought, I liked it. I liked the culture of Pennies even then, you know, because again, as I said, even though I was sweeping the floor, <clears throat> it was a really, really good um, atmosphere there. And you did the trainee <coughs> management traineeship, and was that was that tough, or did you did you get paid well to do it? Was that seen as a sort of a really good perk? It was tough. It was tough, but it was great fun. I mean, you know, you were, you know, you, I worked probably in about eight or nine different locations for pennies every six months. Now that was more than normal. You'd be moved around, but. You were, again, with a sort of band of brothers because, or sisters, um, because when you moved, you know, the local manager had been a trainee at some stage, so they knew what it was like. So Penny's gave you um, a fund to sort of for the first month when you moved somewhere, and then you, they would generally, the manager would look after accommodation and everything for you. And along the way, you would have met and you became quite friendly with Arthur Ryan, the, the first chief executive and I, founder of the business. I did, yeah. And I mean, Arthur, again, that's what I mean. It was a very flat organization. So even as a trainee, even as a, a system manager, et cetera, et cetera, I would have come in contact with him and the other directors. And, you know, a very approachable guy, very nice guy. And again, if, you know, if he thought you were good, if he thought you were, you know, doing a good job, whatever, you know, he would sort of coach you along the way and, and help you and bring Take you an on. Interest. And business then, along the way, you kind of had your eye on business and it, it, was, it was a deli was the first thing you got into. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> so I used to open new stores for pennies. That was one of my jobs as I moved up through the ranks. And I mean, you asked about the pay earlier. The pay was great. Once you got in the door, I mean, you know, you could double your salary in a year. You know, that was just the way it was. Um, and as you moved up the ranks, uh, and one of the stores I opened, which was a new concept store for pennies, was in Nucro Shopping Centre. And, I, you know, at that stage, I was thinking, OK, I, I do I want to stay with pennies, which was great. And, I, you know, I really enjoyed it. But I really always wanted to do my own thing. So uh, Delicatessen came up for sale in Nucro Shopping Centre and I bought it. And, you know, within a year, I doubled the value. But somebody wanted to buy it, and I sold it on. Um, so you uh, made, you were still quite young. You yeah, would have made a reasonable whack of money. 24 years of age. Where did the pet food come in then? How did you get into pet food? So um, when I sold the deli, I decided I'm going to take a month or two off. I'm going to travel, have a look around Europe, what's going on. Um, 
and through a friend of mine, um, I got a consulting job in London uh, for a retail business uh, called Changes and uh, did some work for them for about three months. The chief executive wanted me to stay on, the owner, but the problem with the business was really him. He just wouldn't listen to his own people. If he did, he didn't need so me. You didn't necessarily hit it off with him or no. he didn't want to stay. And you went to Germany then? Yeah, and so then um, I, I got another project which was a Quaker Oats and they had um, they were the second biggest pet food business in the world at the time. They also owned Gatorade and Fisher-Price Toys and obviously the Oats business as well. And they were looking at building a big, huge logistics centre uh, in Germany. And they wanted somebody to look at the project, analyse it and make a business case for it. Um, so I went over, had a look at it and, you know, through my training in pennies, um, you know, so, you know, it's the old 80-20 rule. They had a lot of products that weren't shifting. They are holding on to a lot of dead stock. Uh, they're sort of... Uh, their raw materials uh, and their packaging, they were taken in-house and they had three or four satellite warehouses. So when we looked through everything and we cleared out and said, look, these are the lines you need to have in your own warehouse. You don't need a big warehouse. You just need to re-engineer what you have. So you were able to streamline the thing by applying what you'd learned. And then there was an opportunity to go back to Ireland. So then, yeah, so I was only there as a consultant. So I was there for about six months over and back. Um, and, you know, they they liked me and uh, the, the MD of the time liked me. And they had a business, they distributed in Ireland with a, with a range of food called FIBO, which was only sold in the professional market. Um, and, you know, things were probably not going as well as they would like it to go. So they asked me, would I do a study on the Irish pet food market? Now, I knew nothing about pet food. And they said, well, we do. They were the number two in the world at the time. So I set out to do a study on the Irish pet food market, the professional sector, um, which would be non-grocery. Um, and as a result of that, I ended up taking over the distribution for FIBO in Ireland. So I'm now in the pet business. And then you had the chance to set up Pet Stop and Pet Stop grew very quickly and it was sort of in around the time of the, the late 90s and you expanded to uh, numerous outlets. You were expanding very quickly. I, I kind of, I remember the business, I remember reading about it at the mm. time. You probably had your eye on uh, building it up and then selling it on. Yeah, I mean, like how it came about was, you know, um, I sort of, knew about the pet business and I knew about retail and I thought if I use modern retailing techniques in the pet industry and big stores were just opening, you know, in the UK and in, in, in the US and I thought we'll get in ahead of the game and the plan was to get big fast and sell it. I never anticipated 29 years later I'd still be running the business. But it was going really well until... It was really the, the dot com yeah, crash I mean, that hit it. The, the plan was to sell it. There was a company called PetSmart, who are a US company, had bought a chain in the UK and they'd paid 2.7 times turnover. So if I could have flipped it quickly, I would have made a lot of money, a lot of money. Uh, unfortunately, they lost their shirt in the UK and they went back to the US. So we then had to run the business. Um, and I brought in a few investors, Bernard Summers, Liam Booth, then Sean Melly, the late Sean Melly. Um, and we looked about expanding quickly. Um, 
And then in 1999, the whole dot-com thing arrived on the scene and pet was big. The whole pet category was big. Because you were selling, you'd gone massively into selling online as a big part of the business yeah, model. Uh, well, uh, well, we were trying to sell online, but in reality, what we were selling was really small. Yeah. But there was a no flood of interest. People were paying ridiculous amounts of money for dot-com businesses. And because we had the supply chain organized, because we were already a retailer, um, and because we were sort of internationally focused, so we'd set up the website and we'd bought sort of keywords across Europe. We had a, an operation set up in the UK and one in Belgium. And all of that would have cost a lot of money, so you had a big outlay. And Anthony, with, with the dot-com crash, it, it, it all came, the wheels came off. Yes. It went horribly wrong. You ended up, but you, you had to sell off and, and close bits and pieces of the business, but you didn't walk away from it. Pet stop. You came back to one outlet. Yeah. So, yeah, we lost about five million, which was a lot of money for us at the time. Um, and, um, you know, with the support of the investors and myself, um, you know, we literally sold off everything, went back to, we, we had five stores, we sold them all the carpet, right? We got 1.2 million for the, the leaseholds. Um, and myself and the other investors put in some more money. And we, I approached everybody that we owed money to, and we did a deal with everybody. We paid everybody, we paid everybody back all of the money they were due, except for one company who wouldn't, you know, accept our offer. Then um, the plan was we paid fifty percent up front. We kept trading with them, and we paid it off over the next two years. So everybody got all of their money. So you had to retreat back in size and scale, and then, in in more recent years, you rebuilt. Pet stop all over again. I mean, what size is the business now? So we have eleven stores now. Um, turnover this year be about thirty six million, um, and we'd hope to. Do we've doubled the business in the last three years. We'd hope to double it again in the next three to four years. So we've we've plans for another four new stores next year. Um, and um, yeah, I think we're only in our infancy. I think I can see us getting to 100 million really quickly. Um, what kind of turnover are you doing now? So 36 million will be the turnover this year. It's extraordinary how pets have become a bigger and bigger part of people's lives and, and in Ireland and the market here. I was just thinking about the run up to Christmas. Is that a busy time for you or is it, you know, are, are people buying a lot of presents? Thankfully, Richard, yes, they are. So our business will increase by about 50% in December. Um, and we sell... What, what, what are people buying? So pets, pyjamas, big seller, Christmas jumpers for dogs and, and, and cats, um, bandanas, um, Christmas stockings, advent calendars. Um, we, sell, um, we sell some fizzy water, which... Um, uh, and puppuccinos, you know, baked goods. We make baked goods in-house for, for dogs and cats, et cetera, et cetera. There's but a part of me that says that all sounds a bit mad, Anthony, but it's a type of madness that's good for you. Yeah, no, I mean, look, it's the, the staff. We have 200 staff and they're all pet lovers and they really get in uh, on the action. And, you know, the number of customers that come in all the year round, but come in with photographs of their pets at Christmas, dressed up in their pajamas or their bandanas or whatever they have bought. And they're having a bit of fun with it. Having a bit of fun. I, I read recently, and, and what, what way are things changing with pet food? I mean, I read recently about people now, there's a whole thing towards cooking for your, your pet, your dog or whatever it is, instead of buying uh, dog food. That's not good for you, I presume, if that takes off. 
It's not, but it's a very, very small part of the market. But the market is changing and um, fresh dog food is now a reality. Um, and we own two um, small um, pet treat plants and one of them we're going to engineer to make fresh dog food. So you'll be able to come into a fridge in our stores and uh, effectively select you know, what type of dog you've got, how old is he, and we'll have a particular dinner organised, ready for your dog and waiting to serve. You'll be going back to the delicatessen of your first business way, exactly. way back all that time ago. <laughs> Just finally, where would you like to take the company? What are your plans? I mean, if, if someone comes along and offers you a very large cheque for it, would you sell? Well, we've already had about three or four substantial offers, like in excess of 30 million for the business. And... Uh, I love it, to be honest with you. I love it. I think it's a great business. I, I, you know, some of my staff are with me, Shirley and Suzanne are with me 28 years. Uh, lots of other people are with me 20 plus years. They've all been on the journey. They're the only reason we're successful. It's their dedication and hard work. And you know, I've, a, I've, a, I'm, you know, I've, I've three children. One is interested in coming in. The other two really aren't. Uh, so I see us keeping going. So you're, you're in it for the long haul. Anthony Gallagher, uh, founder of Pet Stop, thank you very much for joining us on the programme. Thank you, Richard.